1: It's straight out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from the Athletic, and we've got a bumper show lined up for you today. We're talking Super Cup and Super Kepa. Chelsea's Premier League season gets underway as Patrick's Palace pop in, and we get inside the mind of Romelu Lukaku, sort of. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on the Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham, the Kepa Redemption Special. go then gang. Twice weekly, SoC is a real thing and we'll be mixing up the lineup as we go to two times a week. Sorry to report that I, Matt Davis-Adams, will be the one member of the cast who won't be rotated. Think of me as a, a pre-2019 Cesar Uh, With me today, the perfect person to pitch Palace's positives and pinch points,
2: it's Dominic Fifield. Good morning, Matt.
1: Good morning. Uh, also, an SoC debut for our newest teammate. He's a striker turned pundit. Hello, Sam Parking.
3: Good morning, Matt.
1: Uh, Sam, for anybody who doesn't know, tell us uh, your connection to Chelsea, please.
3: Well, I I joined the club at about 13 years of age, if memory serves me right. Full-time in about 1998, um, part of the youth team with with John Terry. Um, We know a bit about him, John Harley as well, who went on and had a a good football league career. Um, Professional for four years. Retired in, at Chelsea that was, went on and and played in the Football League in England and Scotland. Um, And after retiring 2014, I've been back at the club really, part of Chelsea TV, covering the club at at all levels really. Um, From the under-18s, 23s, the women and obviously the the men's first team. So um, yeah, across the board really, but I would probably say specialist subject would probably be the under-23s, the players out playing in the in the Football League on loan. Um, I'm across that, so hopefully um, I'll be able to keep the the, the listeners up to speed on, on the developments of a lot of the young players. Yeah,
1: you'll always have plenty of work in that category. <laughs> uh, Sam's going to give us those players' insights that, that Dom and I, not to mention Liam and Simon, could only dream of. Uh, speaking of players, a whole bunch of them had a kickabout in Belfast on Wednesday night. We'll look back on the Super Cup next.
4: Chelsea is
1: kept out Always a temptation to call it the Super Cup final, I think, but uh, we seem to have lost that this year. Inaccurate, I guess, seeing as there's no semi-final. Anyway, the 2021 Super Cup took place at Windsor Park between Chelsea and Villarreal. We'll hear what the chaps made of it soon enough, but our own Simon Johnson was on hand to witness it live. He sent us this message not long after full-time.
4: Well, Chelsea have done it again. Here we are at Windsor Park. Kepper has just produced his heroics and the Chelsea fans are in celebratory mood, the, the players are celebrating in front of me. It was an extraordinary end to what had actually been a pretty average game, certainly from Chelsea's point of view. It started so well in the first half with Ziyech, but his injuries seemed to affect Chelsea more than anybody. But my word, Thomas Tuchel seems to have the mightiest touch. Two years on from the League Cup Final at Wembley. Remember Kepper refusing to come off ahead of a penalty shootout in the League Cup Final. He was the villain that day. But he's the hero tonight. Tuchel bringing him on for the penalty shootout and he produces two fine saves. And now it's party time in Belfast. Chelsea have started the new season the way they finished the last. They're going to be lifting the trophy, the Super Cup trophy, having won the Champions League in May. It wasn't a pretty performance, but the way they're celebrating right now, they don't care. And to be honest, what a perfect way to start the season to not play well. Crystal Palace maybe may have looked at the fact that Chelsea played 120 minutes To look forward to Saturday. For Romelu Lukaku, he'll be in the team by then. I think it's going to be a lively night in Belfast. But for the second time in their history, Chelsea won the Super Cup, and Kepper is the hero. Well done. Dom Simon's hit a lot of the the key
1: points there, but I think we've got to start at the finish, haven't we, with Kepper? Because my goodness me, that was ballsy from Thomas Tuchel and from Kepper, I guess, and it worked.
2: Yeah, it did, and I found it quite. I found it fascinating that this was a a plan that was actually hatched ahead of the FA Cup tie with Barnsley last season, and born entirely on data and, and what they what they what they witnessed in terms of presumably the, the penalties that, that Kepper and, and Mendy had faced in training at at Chelsea. So it makes it made perfect sense. And if you are going to consider doing this in a significant match at some point in the future, then then actually this was a decent occasion to to give it a run out as a as an experiment. And and it did work. It did work. I thought do you think that Kepper had, had muscled up a bit and bulked up a bit? He looked maybe it was just a shirt that he was wearing, but he looked a bit more imposing than he had done in in previous previous years at, at Chelsea. And the way that he he psychologically tried to to unsettle the the Villarreal players in that in that shootout. Okay, it cost him a booking, but I quite like that. I thought that was quite ballsy in itself. And and yeah, it was probably the first time in a long time that we've seen the best of Kepper. Um, you know, in terms of his mentality as well as his performances and two good saves. And a, it was nice that he and Mendy were, were able to to share that triumph together.
1: Sam, when Louis van Gaal did this in, in the 2014 World Cup and brought Tim Krul on, you thought, oh, Louis van Gaal, he's he's such a maverick, isn't he? But <laughs> with Thomas Tuchel, you kind of knew that this was going to be something that was highly calculated and thought through because that's just the way that he works.
3: Yeah, it feels more measured and the other elements to it are you you need a... A coach who is managing the dressing room in, in, in a manner where everyone is on board and you need your number one um, to have an open mind to what the, the, the modern game is. And it's a squad game and it would be easy for Mendy to feel that. Uh, he's not been back there, and the manager hasn't got the confidence in him. But it, from his demeanour and from the way he ran off and how he he spoke post match, it just feels and seems that everyone's on the same page, and that has got to be pretty unique in that uh, crazy goalkeeping world because um, they're they're uh, it's a very individual position. Um, it takes a certain character to put themselves in in the goal, and uh, yeah, to to remain i suppose thinking about the team in in that moment um says a lot about mendy's character as well as uh, as well as kepper's
1: yeah and on kepper simons written a, a fair bit about him in his post match piece which you can read on the athletic now um, i'd just add that last season going to to empty stadiums Kepper was always the loudest cheerleader for for the Chelsea team, and whether that meant encouraging his teammates or having a go at the referee or the opposition, <laughs> but he was really into it, and you could tell that that he's he's bothered about what happens at Chelsea in his Chelsea career. So it was great for him to get that that little bit of redemption. Uh, not so good for Hakim Ziyech though. Dom scored the goal, and then he goes off injured with with what looked like a, a fairly serious shoulder problem. At least that's what Thomas Tuchel called it. Just just like last season, really, for him. He, he got injured in, in pre-season against Brighton. Then he was always playing catch-up. He looked really good against Spurs last week. He had a good game against Arsenal as well. And, and you thought with all these latecomers back from the Euros, he was almost nailed on to, to start against Palace, certainly, on Saturday.
2: Absolutely. I and mean, look, he's been, he's been in fine goal-scoring form through pre-season. Okay, only pre-season, but, but six. that was his sixth goal of pre-season um, in Belfast. Um and he he just looked the part, he looked as if he was he was sharp, he was um he was he was trying to think. There was a, there was that glorious I made a note of it, the twenty-fourth minute, the diagonal pass that he pinged from the left, um, over all the sort of clutter in the six yard box to Chalabra beyond the far post. It was an absolute thing of beauty. Um three minutes later he's put he's put Chelsea ahead and he was the main man. You just looked at him and thought, well, if you're Patrick Vieira preparing for Saturday, then you've got to think about putting somebody on him to stop him from playing here. He's he's a he's being a nightmare. And then true to form, as you say, for the second year running, he he picked up what looked like a really innocuous injury, just jumping um, at a corner, I think it was, and 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 obviously he's pinged his his, sh- his shoulders dislocated his right shoulder, um, which makes you wonder whether there's some kind of underlying weakness there. I don't know. Sam may have had experience of this in his playing days, but it's it's. It it didn't look as if there was enough contact really to, um, to, to pull it out of the socket. But maybe it was just the way that he was jumping with his arms up and just the awkward nature of um, of that contact. But I mean, that's a lengthy injury to recover from, and and it's also an injury that you can be susceptible to relapses in in the future. So dreadful, dreadful timing. Um, unless you're Crystal Palace supporter, in which case you're really, really celebrating.
1: <laughs> it's the worst time, Sam, isn't it, to get injured for a footballer? The game. Before the season officially kicks off, it's going to be a tough challenge for him mentally, I guess, to, to come through this and, and get back to where he was.
3: Yeah, in, in terms of attacking players, he, he's right at the top of the, the list in terms of players that have got ticks against their names during this preseason. You can point at, I think Hudson Odoi has had a good preseason. Obviously, uh, everyone's seen what Chaloba can can bring to the party last night, but. Yeah, I think, I think Ziyech, for someone who didn't do it consistently during his first season, has shown real real flashes. I thought he was actually quiet until those moments that Dom mentioned there. Two amazing deliveries, the goal, um, which is, you know, very important to back up what he did in the game against Tottenham because it's a game of more importance and I think gives them a nice balance. You know, with Havertz, showed that ability to be able to run in behind for the goal. Ziyech obviously wants things to feet, but... It looked like a combination that would work going into the weekend. So really disappointed because when we saw him at Stamford Bridge for Ajax, that was a a night where you couldn't take your eyes off him. He was that good. And that was obviously why Chelsea brought him to the football club. And unfortunately, it's just uh, it's just been curtailed by injury on a couple of occasions so far.
1: Uh, the other player I wanted to talk about from Wednesday night is Trevor Chaloba. Dom, we, we heard that he was going out on loan and Valencia was the most likely destination.
2: This might have changed Thomas Tuchel's mind, mightn't it? Well, potentially, I I think Tuchel suggested they would, they would have, be having a think about it again, post-match because he was, he was very impressive. I mean, there there were, there were the odd little, there was odd little error in there. I think he dawdled on the ball at one point and had it stolen off him. But, but generally speaking, he was, he was athletic. He was strong. He looked like a player that, that, that wasn't overawed by the occasion. And okay, it's a, it's a glamorous pre-season friendly in many ways, but it's for silverware. I mean, it's 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 a reward for winning the Champions League against the team that's won the Europa League. So it is a match of some significance. And he, he he just looked as if he was at ease in those surroundings against top quality players as well, incidentally. I mean, that, that Gerard Moreno looked a, a real handful all night. So I think he would have done himself a, a lot of favours with that performance, uh, as he has done throughout pre-season. He, he's... Given that that he's he's moved on, um, and we know the situation with those centre halves at the club in terms of the, their contractual situations, um, there might be a logic in having a player that can operate at centre half, but also probably in midfield if required, if if needed, on the book so that he is available and and could and could do a job for you at some point in the season. They, they, we know that there's going to be a cluttered schedule ahead for Chelsea. And I just wonder whether whether these performances against in the last two two matches, Spurs and and Villarreal might make them rethink that decision on the on the loan. Because it did seem nailed on before that they wanted him to get regular game time again, and the only way for him to do that was to go out and get another loan. But he didn't look like a player that had been struggling near the relegation zone in, in League Aunt Lorient last season. He looked he looked top quality.
1: What would you do if you were him, Sam? He's 22. Don mentions he can play in midfield as well. But if he stays at Chelsea, realistically, he's behind Christensen, Rudiger, Thiago Silva and possibly Kurt Zuma as well if he stays. So are you thinking if you're Trevor Chaloba, well, I'll take that. I'll play on match day six in the Champions League in the Carabao Cup and show the boss that I can still do it when I'm close at hand or I'll go out to you know a top-level loan like a Valencia and show them what I can do there.
3: I think he'd want to have a, a loan at a, a club that have got probably aspirations of challenging possibly having had uh, a season at Ipswich where they were relegated, a season at Huddersfield where there was three managers and uh, another relegation scrap in, in, in France. I think I'd probably leave it to the last minute. Um, I'm sure that would be dictated by the powers that be, but there's going to be people looking on after last night's performance, which I agree with everything Dom said, but I've, if you take away the the occasion and the atmosphere, the opening 45 minutes was probably quite a nice way to bed yourself into a yeah. Chelsea career, considering he wasn't pressed at all. Mm-hmm. The second half, I think that was the biggest factor in the, the change of dynamic in the game, that they were a bit more aggressive and it forced mistakes, a few mistakes from him and quite a few, obviously a costly mistake from Rudiger. But I felt in the first half, it was so nice for Chaloba to be able to just pop the ball into Hudson-Odoi, make another angle, keep it nice and simple. And then he started to take risks when he had that that, that confidence, which was great to see uh, and his athleticism. It got him out of a couple of uh, positions where I think his starting position was a little bit off um, and because of his athleticism and his, his power, he was able to recover. But um, yeah, I would probably obviously wait and see what happens, but I'm sure there's going to be some, some high pedigree clubs in for him and um, another year wouldn't do him any harm at all playing at a good level.
1: Well, he's got himself a, a winner's medal on his Chelsea debut. Yeah, that can't be a bad thing. Chelsea winning the Super Cup then for just the second time in their history. It was the fifth time that they've been in the game. And that was Chelsea's final warm-up match before the new Premier League season kicks off. The Blues begin with a derby date
0: against Crystal Palace at Stamford Bridge. We'll look ahead to that after this. What kind of sorcery is this? Chelsea starting the season with a
1: Saturday 3 o'clock game at Stamford Bridge. Uh, It's been a while. Uh, Now, Dom, yesterday, the first question I wrote here is, is the team that started this one going to be the same that started Villarreal? But that was before I knew that it was going to last 120 minutes. And and surely, (laughs) I say surely, I mean, you'd think it'd be unlikely that that many who started that game and finished or or played the, the majority of it, at least, would start against Palace. But it's not like that... They they can change the entire starting eleven, is it? You know, you have a, it says you Werner, especially if Ziech and, and Lukaku's is not in at that point. They're going to definitely start, aren't they? So Thomas Tuchel would have been pretty annoyed that it, it went 120 minutes plus on Wednesday.
2: Yeah, he spoke a bit about that post match, and you know, psychologically, it's it's it was important for them to to win the game, um, and that that will have helped in in some ways um, in terms of preparation and. I think his quote was physically it's the worst thing that could have happened but victory in a trophy helped to regenerate which is quite a nice way of putting it. He's he's a um you know psychologically they will they will carry a medal in going into the Premier League season and maybe that will help ease some of the pain in the legs. But I was looking at their options. I mean obviously I've got a slightly vested interest in this one but but the I, I don't know whether he would look at like a Mason Mount or or Reese James or Ben Chilwell and think that they're they're ready to come into a Premier League game from the start. I mean they they've Mount I think that was Mount's first appearance wasn't it in the, in a in a pre-season fixture. James didn't get off the bench, Chilwell likewise. I mean it's I think it would be a risk and you have to play a, a sort of longer game in terms of players preparations. All these sports science departments have their Set minutes they want to give each player going into their first competitive start of a season, and these guys haven't had any. They literally haven't had any. Um I don't know what situation Thiago Silva's in. Whether he'd be ready to step into a, a Premier League match. You know, in looking at further up the field, it means Tammy Abraham. Tammy Abraham might not even be at the club on Saturday. So I mean, I don't know whether they can even think about preparing uh, with with him in mind. It's it is disruptive, and it's just. It goes back to what we were saying off off air beforehand. It is crazy that the Super Cup can go to extra time. It's absolutely ludicrous. I mean, just go to penalties at the end of ninety minutes. It's not as if extra time really threw up any particular good storylines other than other than Kepa coming on for Mendy in the hundred nineteenth minute. And it's it just just seems ludicrous on on UEFA's behalf. And I think. I think Chelsea's players will be suffering for it, to be honest. I don't I don't think many sports science departments will have 120 minutes of semi-competitive action three days before the, the start of the Premier League in mind when they start drawing up their preparations.
1: Yeah, and it, it kind of brought into focus that, that Chelsea maybe weren't done any favours by the Premier League. When you see that Villarreal's game against Granada was taking place on Monday night rather than on Saturday. I'm sure Thomas Tuka would have appreciated that too. Um, Sam, I always used to think that that it was really overblown how much footballers need to play football in pre-season to get back into playing football again when it's their job. But then I saw Mason Mount come on last night and for the first 10 minutes, it was like his boots were shaped like 50p's. He just couldn't control or pass at all. If you get six weeks off, how long do you need to get back up to speed again?
3: Oh, um, probably just a, a couple of weeks on the training ground in terms of your your touch and uh, and your awareness and, and such like. But fitness levels that could take into the season, I would say, um, to feel that you're fully ready to give everything from the off um, for, for 90 minutes can take five or six games into the season. Uh, and I think when you factor in that pre-season is normally five or six weeks, give or take, the players that Dom's just mentioned are probably still two weeks or so, three weeks away from being at that level, ready probably to start playing competitive minutes. Um, so I think it's the least amount of risk, isn't it? Going into this game at the, at the weekend, uh, if that makes sense. so. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those aforementioned names, Mount Chilwell, gets a run out, but it'll only be on the terms of the people behind the, the scenes that are, that are working. Um, whether they factor in that Ben Chilwell didn't play uh, the Euros, um, that could be something to look at. But I just think, as you touched on in the question, Matt, when your body shuts down and you're not training in a competitive environment and you're on the beach and you're having uh, an opportunity to, to put your legs up, that's where you, you lose your, your sharpness. So Ben Chilwell is in the same boat really with the other chaps in that regard and will probably need a little bit more time to get up to speed on the training ground.
1: Uh, tell us a bit about Palace then, Dom. I, I'm sure other than in the Aretha Balaga household, uh, the Vieira household was a, a scene of celebration on, on Wednesday night as as the game went along. But it looks like Palace have done some pretty decent business, but I guess that the new manager is the, the big X factor.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's they brought in five players, but you have to bear in mind that 11 were out of contract, of whom nine left at the end of last season. So... I look at Palace's squad now, and and it's still in transition. It still needs further additions. It's not as strong as it's going to be. Fingers crossed um, in September. Um, the other thing to bear in mind with that is that a lot of these guys are actually injured already. Um, Michael Alisa, an ex ex Chelsea youth team player, um, who will be an excellent signing, I'm no doubt at at Palace, but he's he's got a he arrived with a back problem that's going to take him out into the autumn. Joachim Anderson, the centre half that was on loan at Fulham last season, who will be a mainstay of this team, has currently got a calf problem, he's out. Um there are there are issues across midfield as well. Obviously Eberitzio Eze and Nathan Ferguson are long-term Achilles injury issues as well. So although I'm saying that it's not a bad time to be playing Chelsea, it's not a bad time to be playing Palace either, to be fair. Um and the unknown is Vieira. Yeah, we we no one knows what he will how he will do in the premier league. I think he's he's made all the right noises so far. He's um he's made a good impression a favorable impression on the training pitch. His coaching staff seem to be progressive and it's given that they just had I'm not, this is no criticism of Roy Hodgson who did a wonderful wonderful job at Crystal Palace and will go down as probably the greatest manager in their history bar possibly Steve Koppel. When you've had four and a half years with one management team just a change of any kind is Refreshing to the whole thing, revitalising to the whole setup, and I think everybody around the club at Beckenham has, has has experienced that and has bought into what Vieira's been trying to do. I think we'll see a, a more energetic Crystal Palace team. I think they'll be more proactive. I think they'll be pressing further up the pitch. Eventually, I'm not saying they'll definitely do that on the afternoon, first afternoon of the season against the European champions, but there will be more energy about this Crystal Palace team, and I think they will surprise people over the course of the season. But it's going to take him time to implement those ideas and to get those philosophies, you know, ingrained in his in his team and and a, and a team and a squad that is still evolving and will still evolve for another month yet. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to
1: see Mark Gerhe back at the bridge. Yeah. Somebody else who who Chelsea supporters might not want to be seeing in an opposition shirt, Sam Christian Benteke. If you're him. Are you going up to Patrick Vieira, your new boss this week, and saying, uh, uh, by the way, I've got 7-12 against Chelsea, boss. I've scored at Stamford Bridge for, for Villa, for Liverpool and for Palace. Uh, please start me. Uh, he, he's definitely aware that he's got a good record against Chelsea, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, he would be. Um, but there's players on the... I would say there's players on the Chelsea team that have got a good recent history against Palace. But because of the... the uh, the things that Dom said, I think that goes out of the window to a degree uh, this season, because we're talking about a new entity in, in Crystal Palace, different players, different ideas. Um, if you were coming up against a Roy Hodgson team with the same personnel, if you're Christian Pulisic, who who did well in that game at Sellers last season, you may be rubbing your hands together. Um, I think players look at it more like that. You know, it's more personnel. If you're playing up against the centre-half or you've had success against in the past, yeah, you fancy your chances. I think it's different if the clubs maybe changed uh, and evolved since that last fixture. So I think this is a difficult game for for Chelsea to prepare for maybe considering Palace are, you know, on the face of it, probably one of the most exciting outfits in the Premier League because we just don't know what they're going to serve up. So it was probably quite a nice dress rehearsal for Thomas Tuchel in that Villarreal were probably a bit of an unknown um, quantity last night. So um, we'll see. But I think with ben Teke, uh he's got to use anything, hasn't he, really, <laughs> as fuel and uh, as motivation to get him in that side because uh, it's still not really happened for him, although there are obvious flashes from time to time.
2: I think I think Benteke has, he ended the season very well last year and was the first of the out-of-contract players to commit to a new deal. I think they realised the value in retaining him. Uh, and he scored in his last two, in the last two friendly games. He played against Brentford B in, in the week, just trying to get in some fitness because he inevitably came back with a calf complaint from the Euros. But yeah, so I think he'll play. I mean, he'll play because the alternative is Jean Philippe Mateta, and quite frankly, yeah. yeah well, anyway, he'll play. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of the new team, I should stress actually. Weirdly, this weekend, I, I imagine that it would be Mark would be the only one of the new players. That's, that, that plays, that features. The others will be absent injured um, or, con- in Collegallo's case, obviously ineligible against his parent club. So there is an irony that the one player that, that will be debuting for, for Crystal Palace is a player that Chelsea should know very, very well from the academy days. And and that is a He's a player that I'm really excited to see playing regularly in the Premier League. I mean, I, I just, I, I'm still slightly baffled by Chelsea's policy on centre-halves, if I'm honest. If if the, he genuinely is a player that they rated, um, as we're led to believe, um, in the same way that Fikayo Tomori was a player that they rated for, for a while, why are these guys now playing elsewhere when everybody else on Chelsea's books at centre-half is, is out of contract next summer, pretty much? Um, so it, I'm intrigued to see how he does when he's up against whoever plays up top, Havertz, Werner, whoever. I mean, it'll be it won't be an easy start for him. But I think he's going to be a real asset in that Palace team. Does that
1: show, Sam, maybe a shift in in the mentality, or maybe a shift in in the power base from from academy players from from your time to now? Whereas, you know, you were probably told by Chelsea what was going to happen to you. Whereas people like Gerhi and maybe to a lesser extent Tamori have said. This is my future. This is how it's going to go. You know, Tarek Lamptey would be another another example of that. Of these lads taking their career into their own hand rather than being in awe of the the big club that they're contracted to.
3: Yeah, quite possibly. Um, and it's uh, it's refreshing to a degree, but that's not to say it doesn't hurt um, an element of the the Chelsea support when this happens. And um, it it it's a difficult one to get your head around just because of I I think the the opportunity for him to play on the left-hand side of that back three and I, I look at the options that Chelsea have got and um, obviously Rudiger has made that position his own to a, to a certain extent but I don't see loads of, of players that can play in that position and I think that was such a, a plus point of his successful loan at Swansea. Um, he's supposed to be a brilliant lad as well, he's obviously very focused on, on, on what he wants from his career. I remember when he first went to Swansea and he, he couldn't get in the side initially. Um, I think it was a 4-4 four, four where he was maybe at, at fault for two or three of the goals. And I remember speaking to John Harley about it. He was very down on himself and he, rather than saying, I want to go back to Chelsea, which is probably the equivalent of, uh, do you know who I am or whatever in the in, in the 90s outside a West End nightclub. He <laughs> He asked for clips from John, And um, he spoke to him about the three central defenders that he admired in world football and and John broke down some clips for him and he got himself back in the Swansea fold and he's he's not looked back. So I just felt that was a great indication of a, a young player with his feet firmly on the ground. So I am disappointed for him, but the other side of the coin is the potential to come back when he's a more mature player. Uh, and Chelsea, I'm sure, have got that in the deal, or the the opportunity to make further funds on the 18 million that they've recouped already. So it's a bit of a win-win. But of course, I'm biased. I would have like to have seen him given an opportunity in the side.
2: Sam, this is this may be a completely daft question, so apologies if it is. But you talk there about a, a, a bond between John Harley and and, and Gay, and that's obviously whilst is still contracted, of it, actually to to Chelsea. If you're developing talents at the Chelsea Academy as they have done over the years, there must be a bond that is retained, even when these guys leave the club to to go and you know forage their careers somewhere else. Do you think there's any likelihood that in some point in the future, Gheorghe would come back to John and sort of say, "Look, things aren't going brilliantly at Palace. Whatever, can you offer me any advice? Do you think do you think coaches retain that relationship with players even when they leave a club?
3: Uh, I would say definitely, yeah. I would say definitely. I think, you know, it's something that's been obviously um, widely reported about Chelsea's willingness to offer up roles to, to past players mm-hmm. um, in terms of bringing them into the academy to work as coaches, et cetera. And I think that, that funnels all the way up to the, the first team. I'm talking about obviously Neil Barth's relationship with former players, um up and down the country who have gone on and had careers or maybe had their 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 careers curtailed and I i think that would extend to the likes of john harley and um joe edwards obviously jody morris will surely have a relationship whatever becomes of tammy abraham and mason mount and the plethora of amazing guys who won a multitude of honors under his stewardship so yeah absolutely i'm sure i'd be very surprised if um if Mason Mount isn't receiving the odd text from the, from these guys even now even though there's a there's a new management team at the helm
1: uh, yeah just for anybody who doesn't know John Harley is Sam's BFF but he's also <laughs> the assistant to Andy Myers for the Chelsea under 23 team uh, there will be lots of common kids on show on Saturday I'm sure whoever they're playing for will look back on Chelsea versus Crystal Palace on Monday's pod uh, next today we eke out even more
0: Lukaku related content
1: Romelu Lukaku then, he either has or is about to start his second spell as a Chelsea player by the time you hear this, listener. Uh, Given we've got our own big man up front, we thought it'd be interesting to try and get into the mind of Lukaku as he prepares for his return. I guess the key thing, Sam, is that it's not like any other position, is it? He knows that that he is going to be judged solely on his goals output. And and if he needs any reminder of that, I, I guess he only needs to look to... To Timo Werner from last season, or Fernando Torres from the past, or any other number of Chelsea strikers that you want to name, um, he doesn't seem short of confidence. Though you, you feel like he's going to come into this prepared, knowing what's happening, and, and confident that he'll be able to do it.
3: He will do, and I think that's that's built on obviously what he's gone and achieved since he 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 left Chelsea, especially in those la- in the last two seasons. So he's coming back as a 28 year old into a really yes cosmopolitan dressing room but uh, a dressing room that's got a good core of young players as well which I think is a big difference to when he was at Chelsea 10 years ago when you had the untouchables rightly so because they were bloody brilliant J- JT and uh, and Lampard and Jogbro and Ashley Cole but when you're a, a young player uh, stop me if I'm incorrect here but there wasn't many young players making that transition at that time now because of um the the situation that the club found itself in a couple of years ago. There's players that have played loads of games. So it's a it's a different balance to that squad. And he's coming back as a 28-year-old um who's got all that experience and goals under his belt where he will feel like the top man. And I think they they have to make him feel like that, whether that means giving him the penalties off Jorginho as well. Uh, would probably be a good start considering he's what, 16 out of 16, I think it was. I read in, in Liam's piece the other day since he's um, been in Italy. So yeah, he's coming back a, a different player now. And um, I, I'm sure, you know, if he gets the balance right in that front three, he, he can do real damage. I look at obviously what Diego Costa had in he had that facet to his game where he could make something happen out of nothing. You know, he could chase a ball down the channel and, and out someone that's in the net. Drogba had the ability to to pin centre-halves and score spectacular goals. I think you need that, that bit extra to be a top striker. And I think Lukaku's ability in one-on-one situation, 40 yards, 30 yards from goal, to shift it away from a defender and finish is his little difference. So he's coming back with that. And he's a goal scorer, but I think that's that little bit extra that he's got. You know, the the facet to his game that Drogba had, and um, and uh, Diego Costa had in a, in a different way.
1: Dom, on Monday we spoke about the, the positives of him returning to a club that he already knows, uh, the area, the the club, Cobham. Stamford Bridge etc and so on Worth remembering he, he never actually scored for Chelsea In his first spell If he goes six games without scoring now That's going to come back into focus isn't it So so there is some pressure Maybe left over residually From his first spell or, or is that just not a factor Because it was ten years ago
2: I don't think that pressure is born of the first spell I think that, that would be born of the You know the, sh- the sheer size Of the transfer fee this time around If he if did go five six games Without without a goal and and yeah, he, as you said, he he will be, that'll be how he is measured in terms of the success of this move. I I I don't think his first his first spell at the club was so disjointed. It was it, it was anticlimactic. It, don't get me wrong. It, I remember when he I remember the first press conference when he, he he sat there and he talked about his love of Chelsea, and you know how he yeah he'd grown up with pictures of Didier Drogba on his bedroom wall, etc. and he he wanted to make a success of it. There's that brilliant video that the club put out of him walking around Stanford Bridge for the first time and thinking this is gonna be his stage, this is gonna be his theatre, this is where he's gonna he's gonna realise all his dreams. And it, it it didn't work out, but it didn't work out because he was probably a bit raw and it was also quite a a strange time in, in, in Chelsea's history, certainly up front. I mean the biggest irony was that he was, he was sold on or moved off to, to, to West Brom on that loan. Um, or was it Everton, I can't remember, under, under Mourinho in 2013. When Mourinho spent the rest of that season whinging about the fact that his, his striking options were an ageing Samueletto, Fernando Torres, who never really fired as a Chelsea striker, and Demba Barr, who was only ever brought in as a makeshift anyway. Um, and he, he, I remember he, he went through... That whole season, saying, "Well, next year, next year, that's that's when I'll I'll have a proper strike force." And sure enough, he went out and got Diego Costa, and they won the title the next year. But he just looked at it sometimes and thought, "Why isn't Romelu Lukaku part of this? Pro- I mean, he 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 had everything. He looked as if he had everything, but maybe maybe I don't know mentally. Maybe he wasn't quite ready for it yet. Maybe that that was that was the key, and it it took him time thriving in slightly less." Um, at clubs that weren't maybe in quite in the same limelight, um, West Bromwich Albion, Everton to a certain extent, um, before he really truly realised that potential. But I mean, the f- very fact that 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 Chelsea was so keen to bring him back after that spell at Everton and thought they had him in fact that summer shows that they've they've been long standing admirers. They've always liked what they've what they've got there, and they've always thought there's there's an element of unfinished business there. And I think both club and and player share that and. I fully expect him to to demonstrate all the all the potential, realise all the potential that we thought he had back in 2011 on, in, during this spell.
1: Yeah, and just to, to underline Dom's point there, in that 2012-13 season when he went out to West Brom, he got 17 Premier League goals in, in 35 games. Uh, he's got 20-plus in his last two seasons at Inter uh, in terms of league goals, so I guess he would be looking to get around about that again. Uh, how's Tammy Abraham feeling this morning, Thursday, as we record, Sam? All, all the signs point to the exit door for him. He, he might well even be a Roma player as soon as, as this weekend. Felt a bit sorry for him last night, kind of not really part of the the celebrations as he looked on. If you were him, would you say, okay, I'll go and try my luck in Italy for a year and see if I can have success there? Or would you be, be holding out for Arsenal because you want to stay in London? Or, or would you be saying, well, I still think I can do a job for you here and, and trying to force your way into the manager's thinking?
3: I think as a, as a player, you, you probably feel that that pressure from, from, from above. Maybe pressure's not the right word, but I think indirectly or directly, you'll know what the club want the outcome to be. Um, so I think it's difficult sometimes for a player maybe to to stay if they if they, they want to get some money for you now or or, or want to improve the squad in, in your absence maybe. I think yeah, he was on the periphery of the celebrations, but I think you know from the, from the outside his attitude looks to have been exemplary. Uh, I think throughout he never it's never felt like he's angled uh, to get away even last season left out of the FA Cup final, wasn't he? If memory serves me right. Um, Probably times during the last couple of seasons when he wasn't in the side, he probably felt that he should have been playing. I've always felt that because he's grown up at Cobham, essentially with all these guys, uh, with a number that are flourishing now in the first team. He wants it bad. Um, But I think it just comes to to a point now if Lukaku is going to be the number one, He's got to think about getting regular football and there's nothing to say that Tammy Abraham at 28 might be the same type of player that Lukaku is now. I think he's got 90 goals at 23, Tammy Abraham. <laughs> Lukaku's got a hundred. Um, it's not bad going, you know, when you consider a lot of those goals were in Belgium for Lukaku. Yes, in the championship for Tammy Abraham, but he's a goal scorer. I just think that maybe his all round game is just not going to be polished enough to be a top Champions League striker right now. That can can happen for him. And the other thing is, I was just talking about that little bit extra. What is Tammy's little bit extra? I think he's a brilliant 18-yard box player, but when his hold-up play isn't immaculate, I've already said, I don't know what his his USP is really. Um, When you look at it like that, I think that all those other guys that I've already mentioned have just got that little bit extra. I think Tammy's a goal scorer. Um, And I think he did brilliantly in the circumstances that Chelsea found themselves in. Um, But I just feel like it's his moment really
2: to go and build his career and play every week. Sam, if 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 you're a 23-year-old striker again and you're being, not forced out, but you're, you're leaving Chelsea and Jose Mourinho, as he is now, comes in for you, does he have the same draw that he would have done 10 years ago, 15 years ago, to play for Mourinho? right now I'd have to say no
3: um yeah I, th- I think you you just look at the I don't I think obviously there was relative success people would argue it maybe at, at Manchester United but for a young striker yeah I think the the landscape's probably changed a little bit uh in in, in that regard given yeah how fresh it was when he first came into the Premier League and you know, how he built such togetherness at, at Chelsea. I don't know what that boiled down to, but there seems to have been a change. I'd be surprised if Tammy sees that as his his right right, right next move. Um, I think there'd be takers in the higher echelons of the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I'd, again, I'd I'd question whether he'd go into a Champions League team and play every week. Um, that's been brutally honest, but I'm hopeful that, he can still develop to get to that stage but I think it may be a case of taking you know a a step back at the moment to make two steps forward in the future
1: it's gonna be really interesting to see I think if those are his two options do you you go for kind of the soft move to Arsenal where you don't have to move house and you got Mikel Alteta putting his arm around you and telling you you're great or do you go to another country have to learn another language and get Constant aggro and confrontation from your boss. Uh, We'll see, I guess. Good luck to Tammy, whatever happens. Uh, Right, before we go, I've been thinking about squad numbers. If you listened to the Totally Football Show quiz a couple of years ago, you'll know that I should have thought about it a little harder then. Uh, Anyway, we're assuming Romelu Lukaku will take the number nine shirt off Tammy Abraham's back when he signs. So, I'll come up with a little quiz. You're going to love this. Between you chaps, you've got 90 seconds to name as many players as to wear number nine for Chelsea in the Premier League as possible. There are fifteen of them. I'm going to start a clock running. So one at a time. Don, you can go first. The ninety seconds starts now.
2: Steve Sibwell
3: is correct. <laughs> Get in, Sam.
2: Premier League era.
3: Yeah. Chris Sutton, correct.
1: Don Hasselbank. Correct, going really well
3: here.
2: Uh Maratta?
1: Maratta is right, oh, yes. Hell.
2: Torres, did he wear nine? He must have worn nine. He did, yes. Oh uh, Luca. Correct. Oh, yes. God, that's cheating. Um will think of some crap Chelsea strikers done. Come on.
1: Uh,
3: Higuain. Higuain is correct.
1: That's a great
4: shout.
1: Yeah, we're halfway through Sam in terms of time.
3: Uh, Tor Andre Flo?
1: No, no, not Flo. Crespo. Crespo is right. He's on my list. Yeah. There's a couple of
2: Shevchenko.
3: No,
1: Shevchenko was seven. I'm afraid. Thirty seconds to go. Oh
2: bloody hell! Um, It's a Premier League era. Yeah. It would have been way back in 1992? T- um, um, the big uh, um Cascarino. Cascarino is correct. No way. <laughs> uh, Neil Shipley.
1: Neil Shipley's oh, wrong. That's... Five seconds, Dom. No,
3: One more no guess. idea.
2: Um... Oh, God. There'll be somebody really obscure, like, who never played for Chelsea or was this young kid who, who just, they just gave him the? Oh, I don't know. No, I've gone. I've got blank, i right. nice blank.
1: Time's up. These are the ones that you missed. Tammy Abraham, I mean... Oh, but you gave him that before.
2: I just <laughs> okay. presume that was like...
1: <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll let you off that. Franco De Santo.
2: Yeah, as I said, a really young kid. Yeah. Never... <laughs> Blimey. Uh, League
1: Cup winner, Matiah Kesman. Who? Uh, Radamel Falcao. Blimey. Remember, he played for Chelsea for yeah. a bit. Scored uh, against
2: Palace at home once in a 2-1 defeat for Chelsea. He did,
1: yeah. Very, very sweet-smelling Colombian, as I remember. Uh, <laughs> the other two that you didn't get, uh, I'll forgive you for not getting Khalid Bularoos. Oh, blimey. Seriously, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And the final one was Mark Steen. Oh, I had Stevie written down.
3: Well, should have said it. <laughs>
2: I can't wait for Chelsea number 3s next week that's going to be great. Yeah, quite, yeah, we'll be here for a long time.
1: Uh, Dom what have you been writing for athletic subscribers to enjoy please? Uh,
2: we've got a piece on on Lukaku coming out that Sai has taken the lead on. Uh that that will go out there when the the transfer is confirmed. We I've done an interview with <laughs> the chief executive of the canadian premier league who is the son of the ex-wimbledon and aston villa player kevin gage sheffield united player as well so ollie gage um yeah so fairly surreal excellent
1: uh, while we're talking canada by the way shout out to jesse fleming who was so excellent for the canada women's team chelsea player who helped them win the gold medal sam are you at a game this weekend
3: Yeah, I'm at the bridge on Saturday and I heard a a tremendous rumour that there may be some food in the press room. So I'm going to be uh, (laughs) taking my ladle and uh, (laughs) positioning myself accordingly. But no, really looking forward to it. Um, Should be a good game. And um, yeah, I was in at the bridge the other day. So there was uh, various rumours circulating about uh, what we're going to be served up. So looking forward to it.
1: Well, I, I can add some some meat to the bone if you'll oh. forgive me a rather delicious pun. Uh, for the Spurs game, there there were like pre-packed boxes of either sandwiches, salads, or pies. You can't eat it in the press room, but you can take something away. Uh, our listeners are not interested in this.
3: In fact,
2: but everybody loves is, the Chelsea buffet, it's turning us ag-
3: them against us. It- <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Don, but that was the gist. That was the gist of about a two-hour conversation <laughs> when I was um, supposed to be preparing for a very serious pre-Super League show.
1: <laughs> hey, this is the kind of insight that people come to The Athletic for. Uh, many thanks to Dom, Sam, solid debut, uh, producer Lucy for knocking it all together too. We'll be back on Monday looking back at what happens at Stamford Bridge this weekend. Do join us then if you can. From all of us here though, for now, it's goodbye.
2: The Athletic.